While the choir was speaking, I was reminded of, um, or while they were singing, I was reminded of the Gospels, where one after the other in the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three people, three students or experts in the law, in Scripture, who knew of God's faithfulness as only Jewish people could. And yet they were still seeking And so they had heard of this great Jewish rabbi, this great Jewish teacher, and how much it is he knew and lived the text. And so those experts came in the three synoptics and they asked this question three different ways. What's the most important commandment, rabbi? They asked Jesus. What's the greatest commandment, teacher? And this one from Luke, teacher... What must we do to inherit eternal life? And the great rabbi was ready with his answer. He quoted God's words from Deuteronomy 6. And he said, here's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a word for someone who loves in Jesus' name God with all of every part of them and loves their neighbors as themselves. You know this word. This word is disciple. How many of you remember the Hebrew for disciples? Tell me deem. Good. That's from months ago. Congratulations. (laughs) Say, tell me deem. Now, as disciples, as tell me deem, if you have lived as tell me or as tell me deem of Jesus for any length of time, you have discovered for various reasons that loving God that much with all of every part of you and loving others as yourself, it can be hard. Amen? One thing that God has given to help us as we love God and strive to love God with all of every part of us is each other. He's given us a team, something I like to call Team Tell Me Deem. Say Team Tell Me Deem. Now, like any good team, when God creates a team, God gives it coaches. You knew I'd get around to introducing our speaker this morning. And all kidding aside, when I think of Bill McCartney, one of the first words, I almost can't say his name without saying Coach Bill McCartney. Of course, he coached at Michigan before CU. I'm a Michigan boy, so he was only on loan to you guys. You understand that? (laughs) But, you know, his coaching at Michigan, his coaching at CU, I'm sure, I haven't asked him, but I'm sure he gets the question, maybe even yet today. Coach, you are on the top of your game. You had recently won a national championship with the CU Buffs. Why on earth are you walking away? We heard his testimony last year about a rededication to a wife and a family. You know what I think happened as all part of that? I think God called him up. God called him up. He was called up to coach at a higher level. And you say, wait a minute, I don't remember Coach Mack coaching in the NFL. And you know what? He skipped the NFL and he went right into coaching 
on behalf of the kingdom of God and being one of the coaches for Team Tell Me Deem. Every time I hear Coach speak, I feel ready to get in the game and to play hard as a member of Team Tell Me Deem. And you're in for a treat this morning. He has no less a message today. Would you join me in welcoming one of our beloved coaches of Team Tell Me Deem, Coach Bill McCartney. Thanks, Scott. Bless you, brother. You know, as you travel around and you get opportunities to speak at different places, you always kind of want to gauge the spiritual temperature. And I knew that people were saved here when I heard John Zimmerman sing that fight song. I knew I was in the right place. Really, I knew I was in the right place when I heard the worship team. And that's the memory that I carry around from having been here before is the way that you all worship the Lord. It just uh, really frees me up uh, to enter into intimacy with the Lord when I come here. And so I appreciate that. Uh, Not long ago, I was scheduled to speak in Indianapolis. The time of the function was 7 p.m. And my airplane landed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so... They sent a guy to the airport to pick me up. He was a perfect stranger, a very humble, gracious guy, and he wanted to entertain me. We had four hours to burn. So he took me to the track where they run the Indy 500, and he took me behind the scenes. He had set it up, and it was fascinating, many of the things that you wouldn't normally see that I got the opportunity to enjoy. And and yet when we left there, we still had a couple more hours to go, and he was kind of at a loss for words, and he was just trying to make conversation. And he said to me, very innocent question, he said, who's your favorite coach of all time? And I thought about that, and I didn't know uh, right offhand. It wasn't something that I had already resolved. And so just kind of off the top of my head, I said, my favorite coach of all time, Bear Bryant. And I swear to you, this guy turned on me. <laughs> Up until now, he was, he was so sweet. And then he turns, he says, Bryant, he's been dead 20 years. He says, you could have given me anybody. You could have given me Tony Dungy, Pete Carroll. You give me a guy that's dead. Well, you know, I had a decision to make. I could have ignored that insult or I could pursue it. I decided to pursue it. So I said, you know what? When I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is look up Coach Bryant. And I'm going to tell him how much I admired him and respect him, enjoyed him. And this guy kind of steps back and gets that funny look on his face. And he said, well, what if Bryant's not in heaven? I said, then you tell him. (laughs) So I want to share with you a message entitled Power in This Hour. Second Chronicles 12.32, we're told that the men of Issachar understood the times that they lived and knew what to do about it. And in fact, was set forth a biblical principle that God would call every generation to understand the spiritual dynamic of the time that they live and know what to do about it. That's expected of every mature believer. 
And with that in mind, consider that 1 Corinthians 15.46 says, First the natural, or the physical, and then the spiritual. In other words, when you see something happen in the natural, you'll see something correspondingly of the same proportions unfold spiritually. And so now we live at a time when we're threatened with weapons of mass destruction. We live at a time when the president of Iran says out loud, the people of Israel do not deserve to live. We're going to wipe them off the map. Can you see in that that there's a haughty heart that is looking for catastrophic consequences? So correspondingly, what would be the parallel that would match that? I want to suggest to you that it's when self gets on the throne and God is removed from the throne and man sits in his place. Let me show you that in Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5 says this, But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Now here's why. For men will be lovers of themselves, proud, lovers of pleasure, watch this now, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We're talking about power in this hour. When it says having a form of God, and this is talking about the church. If you're outside the believing community, you don't have any form of godliness. He goes on to say in 2 Timothy 4.4, The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. They will look for teachers. They will travel around and look for teachers who will tickle their ears. I couldn't help but register that verse when a week or so ago on 60 Minutes they introduced a pastor in Houston that has the largest church in America. You probably, some of you saw that and you know that he had six, he has, they, they meet in a stadium and they have 16,000 people attend every week. But those that study the Word of God and walk intimately with the Lord, challenge us that what's being preached there is a soft gospel, a gentle gospel. In Matthew 24, Jesus was asked by His disciples, Lord, what's it going to be like at the end? What's it going to be like before you come back? And He says several things. And in Matthew 24, 12 and 13, He says, Well, because of the way that sin will abound... The love of many will grow cold. And only he who endures to the end will be saved. Only he who hears and obeys, like we were just, like it was just explained to us, only he who hears the word of God and obeys it will be saved, is what he's saying. Lastly, in Revelation 3 15 and 16, it talks about the church, this is church now, of Laodicea. This was the self-sufficient church. And here's what Jesus said to them. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What he was really saying is, if you're cold, 
you may come to the end of yourself. You may realize how far away you are from the truth. But if you're lukewarm, you think everything's okay. You're unsuspecting. You're, you're comfortable with where you are. You're in church regularly. You're doing some other things and you feel pretty good about where you are. Well, let me give you a graphic demonstration, picture of what that might look like. Somebody who's lukewarm. The Eskimos, when they would find a pack of wolves come dangerously close, typically they would take a long knife. They would kill a rabbit or a squirrel. And they would let the, bla- the blood on the blade freeze overnight. They would leave it outside. And then the next day they would repeat it. So they had a double layer of blood on this long blade. And then they would take that knife and stick it into the ground near where they knew the wolves were. And they would leave. The wolves would smell the blood. They would begin to lick it. And because it was frozen, it would numb their tongues. And they would continue to lick it until it shredded their tongues. It's a graphic picture of someone who is into self and doesn't even necessarily know how much they're motivated by self. Self has gotten on the throne. Now, it would be unfair to say that if I didn't give you a legitimate biblical test so that you could see if you're lukewarm. Test number one. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What he was saying is that just like that manna, every day they had to go out and get it in order to sustain themselves physically, corresponding, we have to eat every day. All of us eat every day to keep our bodies strong and energized. And he's saying, correspondingly, your soul needs to be fed at the same proportions. You need to be in the Word of God daily, regularly, and nourish your soul just like you nourish your body physically. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it says, For the Word of God, that's the Bible, that's Scripture, is alive and powerful. Remember, we're talking about power in this hour. It doesn't say that it's soft and gentle. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Watch this now. And it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires of your heart. Scripture tells us that man looks at the heart and all that... Well, we, man looks at the outer appearance, but God can look at our hearts. Now... Here's what that's saying. Each one of us has a soul. Our soul is made up of three parts. Our mind or our intellect. It's made up of our will, our volition, the choices that we make. And it's made up of our emotions, the way that we respond to things throughout the day. Now watch what the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit does. It transforms us by the renewing of our minds. We, however, have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to see life above purely a human level. We see life through God's eyes, through the power of God's Spirit, as He reveals life to us through His Word. Watch what it does to our will, our volition. It empowers, there's that word. We're looking for power in this hour. It empowers us to say yes and no. 
to the right and wrong things. Not my will, but thine will be done. That takes power daily, throughout the day, to do that. Watch what it does to our emotions, the way we respond. Philippians 2, 3 says, For God is working in you, giving you the power to do what pleases Him. It's a whole new way to live and die. To please Him. The fruit of God's Spirit. There isn't anybody in here that doesn't want these things to describe them. Well, as you proportion God's food through the power of God's Spirit, the nine fruits of God's Spirit become increasingly true in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and watch this, self-control. That's where self-control comes from, through the power of God's Spirit. Whenever the Word of God is spoken, read, or heard, and the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and strikes fire, that's where there's change. There's no other way to change a man's heart. There's no other way to change the motive of the heart other than God's supernatural way through the power of His Spirit using His Word. Watch this now. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3 says, whoever meditates day and night on the Word of God. That doesn't mean you read it all day and all night. It means you factor it. You consider it through the day and through the night, through the power of God's Spirit. Whoever does that is like a tree by a riverbank, whose leaves never wither and everything they do prospers. That means they have power. It's not talking about prospering to get wealthy necessarily in this life. It's talking about being able to hear and obey God. Have you ever seen a tree by a riverbank? How deep its roots go and how green and strong its leaves are. Essentially, what God's Word tells us is that if you're not in the Word of God every day, you're probably lukewarm. Second test. In James 5.16, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's powerful. A righteous man is a guy who has a right relationship with Almighty God. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write 13 books in the Bible, he had a right relationship. He came into a right relationship. Watch what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 30, and 31. We are in danger every hour, and I die daily. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that Life comes at you and the culture comes at you in such proportions that we're always at risk and the only chance you have is to die daily. In other words, every day you're repenting. You're taking protracted time before God and you're saying, Lord, look deep in my heart. Do a searching, purifying work. I know I have a sin nature and I know that without your searching, purifying Word of God and Spirit of God left to myself, I will self-destruct. I'll become lukewarm. Every day we get searched. Jesus said, whoever would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross daily. It's the same thing. Self gets in the way. All of us battle self. There's nobody here. But he who has clean hands gets stronger and stronger. Show me somebody who stays purified, 
And I'll show you somebody who's stronger and stronger. Well, watch this. This glass right here represents your soul. Every one of us in here has a soul. We just talked about it. This Coke or Pepsi represents sin. All of us have a sin nature. All of us have sin. Can I tell you something? All of us sin every day. Can I tell you something? There's nobody here that hasn't sinned yesterday. Okay? And if you don't agree with that, then you disagree with the Word of God. You have put self above the Word of God. So we're all sinners. Now watch. This water here represents the washing by the Word of God in the power of God's Spirit. And so when you take the Word of God and you pour it into your soul and you just keep pouring it and pouring it and pouring it, you see what it does from the bottom up? It transforms. It purifies. It cleanses. It renews. But you don't stop there. You continue. You just keep pouring. That's what you do. That's what you do the rest of your life. You just keep pouring the Word of God and keep purifying your soul. And you will continue to sin, but you're going to get stronger and stronger as you go along. You're going to be a mighty weapon in the hand of a holy God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 gives you one more picture of it. These are familiar verses. Now watch what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. How do you do that? How does anybody do that? Well, the next verse tells you how to do it. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. That's the Christian walk. That's the Spirit-filled walk. The person who has learned to take every thought captive and hold them in obedience before Jesus Christ, that's the one that in this hour that we live, where the proportions of the culture have reached such amounts that we have to stand strong. We have to shine in a dark time. And we have to raise children who will. The third test. So if you aren't daily repentant, you're not daily searched and purified, if you're not all day long in a spirit of repentance, you're probably lukewarm. The third test has to do with worship. John 4.23 says, But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now watch this. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Do you know the passage of Scripture where it says the eyes of God look to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong? That's power on behalf of those who are loyal to Him. He's looking for the worshipers. The wor- it's a heart condition. When, you, when we worship like this, which this is a wonderful worship team that you have. We worship like this. It comes out of an expression of living obediently. In other words, this worship is not just a time, it's a lifestyle. And we come here to worship Him together because we've been living like this. I put it all on the altar. All I have, you gave me. I'll show you where you can find that in Scripture. In Matthew 5, 3, when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, 
He preached for three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Well, the very first thing he said in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon of all, the very first thing he said, you know what he said? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they and they alone shall gain the kingdom of heaven. The word for poor is a word that means destitute. Picture a beggar standing in the street with no visible means of support other than what passers-by would come and put crumbs in his hands. It means blessed are those who realize that in and of themselves they can't do anything. It's only through the power of God you can do anything. Every good and positive thing about you is a gift from God that you didn't earn. Remember Moses when he was... Uh, he came on the burning bush and the voice of God spoke to him and said, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And then God said, Moses, what is that in your hand? Well, God knew what was in his hand, but he wanted Moses to say it was a shepherd's staff. It represented Moses' identity. He was a shepherd. It represented his income. That's how he earned his livelihood. It represented his influence. He would take that staff and pull and prod those sheep. And the Lord said, Moses, throw it down. Throw down your identity. Throw down your income. Throw down your influence. Throw it down. And when he threw it down, it came alive. Turned into a snake. He said, Moses, pick it up. And when he picked it up, it was dead. It was just a stick again. What he was saying to Moses is what he's saying to everybody here. Will you take everything you have and throw it down so I can use it? Never again in Scripture, if you read those passages, was it called a shepherd's staff. From that moment on, it was called a rod of God. He used it to turn the Nile River to blood. He used it to part the Red Sea. He used it to bring about the ten Egyptian plagues. Ephesians 4.28 says, watch this now. Because you may never have thought of it this way before. Let him who labor, let him labor that he might have something to give who has need. In other words, the reason you work, the reason you have a job, the reason you get a salary is so you can look around and see who has need and give it to them. First your family, then your church, and then those that God shows you. But the whole reason that we have wealth Financial wealth is to give it away. You know what true worship is? True worship is somebody who lives like that. They realize it's not mine. And they, it's, they hold it lightly. And they look around and the Spirit of God helps direct them. That's the one God keeps giving it to and trusting. And, and, and that giving is not just financially. We give our time, our treasures, and our talents. It's whatever we have. What do you have of value? Will you give it away? Do you just keep it on the altar before God? Let me just say that if that doesn't describe you, you're probably lukewarm. Now, you don't have to be lukewarm. You just have to decide in your heart that you want to change. That's how our God works. Our God looks for a willing heart. The word nobility in Scripture, it means willing-hearted. Isaiah 32, 8, the noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. It's talking about a willing heart. 
All you have to have is a willing heart. If you're under conviction here right now, because in any one of those ways you've been under conviction that you might be lukewarm, then I'm going to lead us in prayer. And God, you know what it's like? It's like drawing a line in the sand and saying, Lord, I didn't really realize I was lukewarm. And now that I've been exposed, I want to be, I want to be hot. I want to be on fire. I want to be used. I want my days to count. I want to stand before you like the Apostle Paul. Remember Paul when he was right at his deathbed? He was almost dead. And he turned and he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there awaits me a crown of righteousness. He knew he had eternal life. He wasn't hoping he had eternal life. He said, not for me only, but for all those who have loved his appearing. In other words, all those who fight the good fight faithfully to the finish. Does that describe you? Do you know that you're walking with that measure of obedience? If you are, then you're hot. And your prayers are getting answered. And you are a mighty weapon. If you're not, stand up right now. We're going to step over the line. All over this place. Stand up. All you have to have is a willing heart. All you have to have is a willingness to say, Lord, ignite your Holy Spirit in me so I can be red hot for your purposes. You have to be willing to say, whatever you give me, I'll give it away. To those you show me that are in need. And if you do that, God's just looking at the heart. He says, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all your heart. There are many of us who, who labor hard for that money. Wholeheartedly. And what God's saying, with the same way you go at that, you've got to come after me. Or even more so. So with that in mind, I'm going to pray for us. And all I want you to do is close your eyes. And let me pray on behalf of everyone. Lord, give me an appetite for your word. Lord, let me be hungry for your living word. Lord, I want to partake of your word. I want to be nourished. I want my soul alive and powerful. I want to be fed. Feed me, Lord. Lord, purify my heart today. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. If that's a cry of your heart, it's happening right now. That's how our God works. All you have to do is step towards Him and He comes running. And then, will you give Him everything you have? That's worship. Will you give it to Him? If that's a desire of your heart, can I tell you something? You're in a good place right now. You're in a wonderful place right now. You are one that has, God has tenderized your heart. And now we're going to go forward from this day forward, going strong after him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's go. Amen. Right. Put me in the game, coach. Put me, put us in the game, coach. Amen. Would you stand and receive? You're already standing. Stay standing and receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace, His shalom. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, all God's people said, Amen. Go get them, team, tell me, Dean. Love you guys. See you next week. If anyone would like to pray after services this morning, please come on up and pray. If you'd like to step into Team Tell Me Deem in a way you never have before and you'd love someone to pray with you, I'd love to do that. People would love to do that with you here this morning. God bless you.